Welcome back, everyone, to This Week in Fake Ball, the podcast, the RBA's only regularly scheduled podcast, your monthly slab of RBA history and news, mostly history, I suppose, is what this podcast has become, where we look at seasons past and we discuss the uh, the rich history of the RBA. Yeah, we are 32 episodes in now. This is number 32. And when I told everybody that I was... Uh, that I was going to make a podcast about the RBA and make it humorous. They all laughed at me. Well, they're not laughing now. Get it? This guy sucks. That's right. Uh, here's another one. You suck, you jackass. You see, I've uh, I've queued up the the drops this time. I said this sucks, and basically so do you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I am your host, Jeff Hobbs. CEO, GM, and all the rest of the Arizona Greenbacks. Today is July the 11th, 2022, episode 32, as I believe I mentioned. And I just got back with my family from Quebec City and then Montreal, where I got COVID. That's right. It happened. It finally happened. Um, good news is I'm none the worse for wear. It didn't hit me very hard, although it gave me the first real headache I've ever gotten in my life. I thought I was impervious to headaches. I'd never really had one. And then I got a mild to moderate one, I would say, two days in a row. So uh, yeah, so COVID got me there. And then it made me tired for a couple of days. And that was basically it. Um, anyway, welcome back to the podcast. And uh, I've got some news this time, some, some, you know, some kind of fun news. So let's begin there. Let's begin with milestones, RBA milestones. Here goes. I've actually got four of them to pass along. So, reaching 1,200 career regular season wins, 1,200 that is, the Middletown Mounties franchise. Now, this franchise has moved around all over the place. This was Brooklyn and then Louisville, uh, Brooklyn for two years, Louisville for two, Buffalo for six, Pittsburgh for four, and it's been Middletown for, uh, this is number eight. This is the eighth season they've been in Middletown, so... This franchise has moved around a lot, but 1,200 career wins that mark just reached by the Mounties. Uh, also, Aaron Anderson, Middletown's coach, just reached 600 career wins um, as a coach, obviously. He has coached only Middletown. So congratulations to Aaron on both of those, I suppose. Uh, the Fort Duquesne Corsairs franchise, which started off as the Chicago Wave all the way back in 2002, the RBA's second season, that franchise has reached 1,100 career wins. So congrats to that franchise and its current coaches, uh, Bob Parker and Chris Baker. And finally, the Low Pat Kong franchise and its, uh, its only ever manager, Tim Pine have reached 100 career wins. They got to 100 a uh, little, not too long ago. And they are currently 47 and 47 as of the last C-file. <clears throat> so they're uh, they're having a pretty solid season for a you know, second-year team still building. Congrats to uh, Tim and his Lumberjacks. And those are your milestones for this episode of Fake Ball. So today's uh, episode is mostly going to be about, almost entirely about, the 2015 RBA season. This was um, this was not a good season for your hero. Uh, the Greenbacks struggled <clears throat> quite a bit in this season, and we sort of knew we were going to struggle from the beginning. But we didn't have a truly terrible team. But it was 
it was certainly bad. Uh, we'll get into that. A um, couple of moves. I mentioned this last time, so I'll keep it brief here. But a couple of changes as we moved from 2014 to 2015. Uh, the the uh, state college cows became the Berea Bombers. So Jeff Florian, a longtime coach, was out of the league. And Pittsburgh moved to Middletown. As I mentioned, Aaron took that team over. This is their eighth season, so they started in 2015. <clears throat> and uh, one of the big... Actually, one of the big um, developments in the league at this time was that some of us started playing our games. That's right. The RBA added player managers, in a sense. Uh, not many of us played our games from the beginning. I did, and I'm not even sure who else. I think I want to say like four coaches played their games from the beginning. I went ahead and did it because it was fun, even though my team was pretty bad. Uh, and teams got cash. So cash was introduced as a component of the RBA, but auctions were still a year off. So JR gave, I believe, he gave everybody $100, and he said, do with this what you want, play around with it, try to figure out the value of a dollar, if you will, um, or don't do anything, it's up to you. But uh, but here you go, here's $100, and you know, <laughs> and we'll have our first auction next year. Okay, so we go into the 2015 season, and the top three draft picks, again, there was no auction yet, but the top three draft picks were George Springer to Arizona, Victor Martinez, and then Jordan Ventura, um, who has passed away. The pitcher Jordan Ventura went third. A couple of other really good pitchers uh, went later on. I should mention that Jacob deGrom went sixth overall, and Trevor Bauer went 33rd overall to Las Vegas. All right, so um, we get through the draft. We get ready to start the 2015 season, and I'll go ahead and give you the adjusted beginning of season, that is to say opening day team scores, uh, adjusted meaning that the average is set to 80. So 80 is an average team, 120 is my definition of a borderline great team, you can think of that as about a 95 and 67 type of team, and 40 is borderline terrible, that would be, you know, like 67 and 95, right? Okay. So the Larkin division is strong, really strong this year. <clears throat> this was probably the start of the, uh, sorry about that, as, I, as I'm over here dying apparently of COVID. <clears throat> anyway, the, uh, this was the beginning of uh, kind of an imbalance in the league with the Larkin division being considerably stronger than the pocket. Here are the scores. And remember, 80 is average. All right, so although I will mention there's a good bit of parity in 2015, as I believe there was in 2014. You don't have all the, the, like the super great and super terrible teams. But here goes. Um, leading the Larkin division in terms of team score and leading the entire league, the Las Vegas effect with a 125, so probably on the great, you know, kind of like a 98-win uh, team, on the great side, I would say, of that borderline arbitrary, though it is, 125 for Vegas. Dunedin, a 109, very strong. And Elm Grove in a virtual tie with Dunedin at 107. So those top three, really strong. Uh, uh, let's see, fourth place in the, uh, let me get this straight here, fourth place in the, in the Larkin division, the Atlanta Avalanche at a 73. And then your Arizona Greenbacks at a 59, not terrible, but uh, certainly not good. Uh, that is a really strong division, uh, though. So take a look. Uh, by contrast, the Puckett 
But a top team in the pucket had a score of 93, so fourth in the league, but tops in the pucket. The Middletown Mounties, a team we've already talked about a little bit in terms of milestones and all. Uh, first year coaching for Aaron Anderson, a 93 for Middletown. The Silver City Vultures come in at an 87, so a little above average, pretty good team, nothing great. Uh, second in the division, though. And third place is the definition of average, an 80 for the SoCal Templar Knights. In fourth place, dropping all the way to a 47, the Berea Bombers. And finally, uh, and by the way, this was the other, again, the other first uh, year coach, Mike Potos, taking over a pretty bad team. Maybe not quite terrible, but very bad. And then you've got the Fort Duquesne Corsairs at a 20. Uh, 20 is really bad. Maybe not among the very worst teams of all time, but uh, pretty horrendous. All right. So those were the scores at the beginning of the season. And one thing to note about 2015 is that there was very little trading. I don't think there was much in 2014 either. This was a weird time in the league's history. Um, the league was going through a transition of first, um, you know, JR's old program to APBA baseball. I mean, that was that was a big transition. Also going from 81 games per team to 162. 2014 was the biggest move that the or series of moves that the RBA made. But in 2015, you had teams, I think, and, and managers still trying to feel things out. We had the introduction of money. Some people started playing their games, as I mentioned. And 2016 would be the first auction. So in a way, it was like a three-year transition with the biggest uh, sort of lurch, the biggest the biggest jolt happening in, uh, in 2014. Uh, anyway, so very little trading. And you'll notice that the final spreadsheet scores that I'm about to give are pretty similar to the beginning ones. So here goes. Here are the final spreadsheet scores um, post, you know, post trading deadline for 2015. In the Larkin Division, Las Vegas stays at a 125, and they lead the way. They lead all teams in the league. Vegas 125. Elm Grove trades up as they so often, uh, or beefs up as they so often did, moving from a 107 to a 119. So almost as good as Vegas. Uh, pretty close. Dunedin stays at a 109, third best in the Larkin. Atlanta stays at a 73. And Arizona sells off a bit, moving from a 59 to a 47, getting into getting into borderline terrible, but probably not quite a territory there. All right, the Puckett division. Middletown goes from a 93 to a 94, so who knows? They may not have done anything. A one-point bounce can happen very easily by just having other teams around you change a little bit. Silver City stays at an 87. SoCal stays at an 80. Berea stays at a 47, and Fort Duquesne stays at a 20. So like I said, very little trading in 2015. Maybe as little trading as we ever had other than 2001, when I don't think there were any trades at all. Teams basically just stayed where they were, um, with the only real exception to that rule of any note being, well, I guess Arizona selling off to Elm Grove, it looks like. Uh, okay, so the final standings. We actually play the 2015 season. We get through it. Much Had a much easier time of it than we had in uh, 2014. And um, I have just realized that for whatever reason, I closed <laughs> I closed the, the, the page that I had open that had the 2015 standings. So bear with me for a second. This is... Um, this is an uber professional uh, affair as always. And uh, so you're going to need to give me a second here. 
I apologize. All right, uh, here we go. The 2015 final standings go as follows. And you'll notice, you'll, you'll see a lot of parody here um, with one really notable exception. Leading the Larkin division with a record of 92 and 70, the Elm Grove Cardinals, 92 wins, enough to win a division. That's not happening these days, and it hasn't for quite some time. Uh, finishing in second with a record of 90 and 73, Dunedin. Get this. Winning only 87 games, Las Vegas, and they missed the playoffs. This was the team with the top score, albeit not a, not a tremendous score, but like still a, a great team, I would say. Wins just 87 games. They... Uh, they disappoint. Um, Vegas has had a lot of hard luck teams over the last like eight, you know, years or whatever. This was, I would have to say, one of them. Uh, they missed the playoffs. Atlanta. How about Atlanta going 83 and 79? Um, granted, their team was just slightly below average anyway, so they they probably overachieved by about four games. Um, not a ton, but Arizona goes 68 and 94, and that's probably about right. The Puckett division finishes as follows. With the best record in the entire league, the Middletown Mounties, but only 94 and 68. One of the worst best records we've ever had. Still, good team. Strong team for sure. In second place, grabbing the, actually the third playoff spot, the SoCal Templar Knights. That league average of 80 type team goes 91 and 72. And they push not only Las Vegas, but Silver City out of the playoffs. Silver City goes 86 and 76. Berea, 64 and 98. Um, and Fort Duquesne, 49 and 113. Uh, that was the notable exception. Fort Duquesne, 49 and 113. Oh, I'm remembering now. I'm looking. Silver City's uh, record was adjusted downward. They made the playoffs, and then um, their playoff appearance was vacated by the commissioner later. So... We'll talk about the playoffs here toward the end of this podcast. The really notable record again, Fort Duquesne's 49 and 113 season. That is, um, that's among the worst regular season performances that we've actually like ever seen. And it's one of the worst teams of all time. Not up to this point, not bottom five probably, but like bottom 10, I would have to think. Um, certainly borderline. Uh, so there you go. Those were the final standings. Um, okay. So, uh, other things of note. Well, the Pedro Martinez award went to Clayton Kershaw. His, uh, his third, get this, his third Pedro Martinez award in four years and Fort Duquesne's fourth Pedro Martinez award in a row, Justin Verlander won the other. And the MVP also came from Fort Duquesne. That was Andrew McCutcheon. So the 49 win Fort Duquesne Corsairs had not only the best pitcher by award, the Pedro Martinez winner, but also the most valuable player in the league. This was probably had to have been one of the most, you know, top heavy lopsided teams in RBA history. Manager of the year went to Aaron Anderson and rookie of the year went to number six overall pick Jake, uh, Jacob deGrom of Dunedin. Uh, looking, looking here at the league leaders, uh, seeing if there's anything really uh, that jumps out. Um, yeah, Andrew McCutcheon had a 405 on base percentage. That's pretty impressive. Albert Pujols led the league with 114 RBI. And uh, how about Brian Dozier leading the league in runs scored with 107 ahead of Mike Trout? Um, anyway, don't see any 50 home run seasons. Actually, the league leader had just 35, and that was Ozuna. All right. And Andrew McCutcheon had 14 triples, which led the league by a ton. Uh, Shelby Miller, 
that S. Miller won 18 games for SoCal and Lance Lynn won 18 for Middletown. All right, I think that's enough of that. Um, okay, so in the playoffs, Elm Grove defeated Silver City. Middletown defeated SoCal. So the two division winners go to the RBA championship. And in the RBA championship, um, I remember this well, I, pretty well, kind of well, I don't know. <laughs> it's been about seven years. Um, anyway, in the RBA championship, it was a pretty lopsided uh, outcome. Elm Grove won the, uh, won the championship in five games. And that was their, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I believe that was their fifth championship. Elm Grove had won in 2002, 2003, 2006, 2010, and now 2015. Oh, I'm sorry, 2014 and 15. This was their sixth. And to date, their last championship, although they could, they certainly have a chance of winning it this year in 2022. But there was the, this was their sixth and so far last as of now, last RBA title, and they won it in convincing fashion again in five games over the Middletown Mountains. Okay, so now I'd like to talk to you about the replays that I ran. Here goes. I ran uh, 20 of these things, as I do, and let me see if I can pull these open. Um, so uh, just to refresh your memories, uh, 20 replays, and I ran them uh, using, let's see, five different micromanagers four times each. And uh, let me just pull those results open here right now. So we're going to go, as we always do, top to bottom, division by division. We will start in the Larkin. Here goes. So in the Larkin division, winning the replays for that division uh, with a replay average 986 wins per 162 game replay the Dunedin Clear Blues and the Clear Blues actually had the best single replay uh out of all of the teams they had one replay in fact it was the first one I ran where they went 112 and 50 112 wins 50 losses again 98.6 average uh uh replay wins and 20 get this 20 playoff appearances and 20 tries that is not easy to do 20 for 20 for the Dunedin Clear Blues, 98.6. All right, in second place, with an average of 94.7, so about four wins behind Dunedin, and 18 playoff appearances in 20 tries, the Las Vegas Effect, 18 out of 20, 94.7, which means that our actual champions, the Elm Grove Cardinals, finished third, although, third in the Larkin, although with an average uh, win total of 93.2. So only about a win and a half behind Vegas, five and a half behind Dunedin. These were all very good teams, of course. 93.2 for Elm Grove and 16 playoff appearances in 20 tries. Then there's a drop, although Atlanta has a strong showing, actually. 84.1, so about nine wins worse than Elm Grove. They actually made the playoffs three times out of 20. And then we have Arizona. Arizona averages 59.1. That is brutal. That is worse than I would have guessed, although I know our team was not good. We also had uh, tied for the worst replay in the league. We had one outcome where we went uh, 47 and 115. 47 wins, 115 losses. That's a problem. No playoff appearances, not surprisingly. All right, so that's the Larkin division. Let's move to the pucket. 
so was this team, the team that won the pucket, able to top Dunedin's 98.6 and thus win the 2015 replays? Well, with an average of 94.6, so not 98.6, but four wins worse, and 18 playoff appearances in 20 tries, the Middletown Mounties, no surprise there who won, and they did make the playoffs 90% of the time, but 94.6 average uh, replay wins, not enough to win the overall thing. All right, finishing in second place with 84.8 average wins and four, only four playoff appearances out of 20. Again, 84.8 though. So many strong teams in the uh, Larkin Division. Larkin Division quite often had three of the four playoff teams, obviously. Anyway, 84.8 average wins and four playoff appearances, the SoCal Templar Knights. And then finishing uh, with an average of 77.3 wins on average and only one playoff appearance, the Silver City Vultures. So 77.3 for Silver City. Uh, dropping all the way to 66.3, 11 wins below Silver City, no playoff appearances. Not surprisingly, the Berea Bombers. And finally, well, process of elimination, Fort Duquesne finishes with the worst record in the, uh, in the division. Did they finish with the worst record on average in the league? Could they be even worse than Arizona's 59.1. Well, they had zero playoff appearances like Arizona, but the real question is, are they the asses of the 2015 replays or is Arizona? Arizona again at 59.1. Fort Duquesne comes in at 57.3. So Fort Duquesne loses, I guess you could say, the uh, 2015 replays. They are the new ass of the league. And they were the other team that had a 47 and 115 outcome. I mentioned that Arizona tied for the first uh, worst replay ever in a separate replay. Fort Duquesne finished 47 and 115 as well. So Fort Duquesne are your new asses. Dunedin are your new champs. And by that, I just mean from 2015, of course, these teams will have a chance. Uh, they'll, they'll go to the ass and the champs, uh, champions uh, matches next month. Uh, so I'll talk about all of that. And uh, 2015, just to wrap it up here, 2015 was an interesting season. I knew that I was rebuilding. That, you know, that didn't come as a big surprise. I, 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 it was time for me to, to do a rebuild. And, and the rebuild actually started in 2014. So I had two bad teams in a row. And fortunately, we would right the ship in a big way in 2016. Um, 2016, of course, is a story for another podcast. In fact, that'll probably be two podcasts from now. So that'll probably be September's podcast. Um, so I think that's about it for this one. Uh, I think what we'll do is we'll come back probably in early August. I'll talk about the ass and, and champs matches. And the other thing I should mention is that at the end of, well, really during the 2016 season, um, I ran an all-time tournament using the 100, and I believe it was 60 teams in RBA history up to that point. So there had been, I, again, I think 160 teams in RBA history, and I ran a single elimination tournament using all, all of those teams and their, their uh, season-ending rosters. And I'll probably, I, well, I'll certainly take a, a podcast or two later on to talk about that. I don't know if I'll do it soon or if I'll wait sort of Till we catch up with the seasons, but uh, but anyway, anyway, that's a that's a topic for another podcast as well. So I'll figure all that out when I get to it. I think that's about it for now. I'm going to go ahead and sign off.
And uh, yeah, I think that's it for this podcast. I'll talk to you all next time.